Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, we're live from the Boss Talk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host, and we're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about the day's news and issues, but the twist is, is that we do it from a law enforcement perspective. Let me introduce our crew. Guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show, he's back, attorney Ken Afianco in Florida. So welcome back, Ken. We want to hear all about what you've been up to. Also, Lieutenant Randy Sutton, retired from Las Vegas Metro Police Department out there. You guessed it, Las Vegas, Nevada. So he is back as well, founder of The Wounded Blue, thewoundedblue.org. Also, a shout-out to our sponsors. We have Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo, AUFire.com, GunLearn.com, BlueTheGold.com, and MyMedicare.Live. Also, a shout-out to Brian Burns with the free press at TampaFP.com. Thanks for carrying our content, guys. And also, Ray Dietrich at RedVoiceMedia.com. You know, we're streaming to eight locations right now. Three of those are Facebook pages that belong to Red Voice Media, and they've got about a million followers on those three Facebook pages alone. So thanks to Red Voice Media for helping make that happen. Guys, we've got a great lineup. You know, the first topics we start off with are usually, it's a, it's a main topic, and we're going to go in and do that today. They have a tendency to be a little bit deeper, and uh, and wow, this is a doozy. So it's at lawofficer.com, and you know, it's talking about police supporting journalists of good rapport. You know, so often, I mean, and not just in law enforcement, but you know, we've got a lot of bad journalism out there. You know, irresponsible journalists that are just not telling the, you know, the story without putting a, a twist or slant on it. Uh, and, 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 you know, need, you know, needlessly. So, so this is written by Stephen Owinsky. And again, I said, you know, I said lawofficer.com. So with the all ongoing legacy media being rightly criticized for biased journalism, for openly barking falsities about those who serve in law enforcement, it's befitting to highlight those reporters who pillar police work and the heroes who carried out against all the odds. So it's not popular. But man, they're gonna, we're going to mention a couple of journalists here that are doing it and doing doing it right for the right reason. So it talks about the DEA, but it's not the Drug Enforcement Agency. It's the New York City Police Detectives Endowment Association. So they congratulated Mary Murphy of PIX11 News on her retirement and her 40-year career of excellence. Now, the union is grateful for her constant support and um, important coverage of issues that affect NYP detectives and public safety. So I, of course, was unfamiliar with her until I read the article. Uh, but, you know, kudos to her, but also in my neck of the woods. And, you know, I know that um, Randy may not be aware of this reporter. I suspect that Ken Afianco is, though, because he's in the Tampa Bay area on the other side of the pond, though. So south of New York City, it says that Tampa, Florida, which is where I live, WFLA News Channel 8, whose station slogan is eight on your side. They also have a long-tenured reporter named Keith Kate. I know Keith. Uh, so Kate uh, has been an icon in the Tampa Bay News, his legendary host and EMC presiding over Bay Area law enforcement events. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen this guy in action, and, and he's unbelievable. And, and I remember when he went through the, um, through the uh, police academy, um, we did a special version of it for him to give him a little taste of, uh, of what the cops go through. Um, so police PIOs, public information officers, most of whom are sworn Leos, uh, they're sent normally to study police media relation courses, uh, bona fide schools. But despite PIOs deaf way of handling overzealous reporters, the latter still twisted the facts to suit the, the salish narrative and, and, and the, and put in the print, you know, without it being retracted or walked back. And it goes on to talk about that nowadays is where the CPIOs providing information to the media. Typically, police chiefs and sheriffs address the crimes and programs for media mobs to record and to repeat verbatim. And it talks about reporters such as those highlighted, you know, in this article 
or held in high esteem for getting it right by preserving fact-based information and delivering it without bias, dilution, or using untruths. Wow. So I know that we've all, you know, had experience with, with really not being able to trust the media, and it hasn't really been getting any better over time either. Randy, I know you're on, you know, Fox News and Newsmax, you know, all the time, almost, you know, I think I told you that I, I freeze-framed one of them on one TV, and, and it froze your image on my TV. I still can't get it off, you know, so that's how often you're on my TVs. But, uh, Randy, what's your experience with, with the, the news media and the reporters, the few reporters who actually get it right? No, you know, I'm glad that they're that they're you know, they're they're um, doing this because it's really important to recognize those journalists that you know do what journalists are supposed to do, which is report and report um, on on issues that um, honestly and and without bias. But we have seen the mainstream media just pillory uh, law enforcement for years now. You know, the hands up, don't shoot um, fiction which was repeated, you know, a gazillion times by the media, uh, even after it was exposed that it was untrue, um, to, to the George Floyd mess. Um, they, 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 they really had an agenda. <laughs> so it's important to recognize those journalists who are doing it right. But I can tell you, let me tell you a story that, that I experienced. Um, right after the, the, the massacre of the Dallas police officers, what was it, I guess about five years ago, where uh, Black Lives Matter protester, uh, killer, um, gunned down those those police officers. CNN reached out to me, which was highly unusual, and booked me to do an interview about it. And I was kind of surprised because they usually, you know, avoid me at all costs. But this time they, they booked me. So I'm getting ready to do the interview um, at like 3 o'clock at 11 the producer calls me and does something I've never had done before or since on any of the media that I do. And the, and they gave me the questions and asked me how I was going to answer the questions. Oh my and God. I stupidly answered truthfully and they canceled me. That was it. Cause they didn't really want what they didn't want the truth. And then didn't what fit the narrative. Did, right. Yeah. Didn't fit the narrative. And then they put on somebody else that, uh, you know, was one of their go-to people that would, you know, would, would tow their line. So that's, that's the reality that, that, that they, they don't want the truth out there. Yeah. That's a, that's a wild story. That was CNN, huh? Yeah. I, CNN. Should, I should not be shocked, but the fact that you're saying that and getting it out there to all of our users and stuff, just wow. Wow. Uh, Ken, do you, do you know, um, are you familiar with, uh, with Kate, you know, Keith Kate from, uh, from channel eight? I don't know if you recognize the name or not, or or him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I I don't know him personally, but obviously he's on the news every night on Channel Eight here locally. But everything I've ever heard about him, he's a super good guy. Reports the news as it should be reported. He's very neutral in in any slant he has to any article, and everybody loves the guy. So I don't have any personal experience with him, but what I've heard has been good. So so well, thanks for sharing that. You know, so so what I'm going to offer to do to our audience. You know, we're on. You know, of course, nationally syndicated on the radio. We're live on the Boss Talk Radio Network, and we're going out to late to a bunch of other stations around the country as well. We're on Roku TV, Amazon Fire TV, about 20 podcast platforms, and just literally a ton of social media outlets. So, if if guys are if you guys are aware of any um, pro media stories involving their coverage of law enforcement, please send it to me. 
um, please email it to me, you know, here at Leo Roundtable, so we can cover that and give them that exposure and give them the uh, the attaboy they deserve because it's really it's not popular in, in, in the day's day and time. And especially if you see one on CNN, because I, I think we'll all fall over. You know, that probably is not going to happen, Randy. But I, I'll extend the invitation. Well, so um, the Wounded Blue is going to be holding a uh, major event in July up in uh, Lake Oswego, Oregon. And this is going to be a, a huge event for the Wounded Blue. And we have every intention of, of um, awarding a press award to a journalist uh, who has, who has uh, faithfully um, you know, told the truth about law enforcement. So we are in the process of doing that. And we're going to be inviting this, uh, this journalist to the event to award this person with that, uh, with that uh, award. Interesting. So, so let me ask you this, Randy: Are do you already have a system in place to pick the journalist, or do you do you need input from users to contact the woundedblue.org um, to sub, do submissions, or how how do you how are you doing that? Uh, this is it's. Uh, we've already picked the individual. Oh, you have. Okay. All right. So, I man, I I can't wait, and and I know I know as usual, you'll probably release it here first at Leo Roundtable before the public becomes aware of it. But I can't wait to hear that name. So, uh, <laughs> all right, I'm putting pressure on Randy. All right, love it. So, all right, well, good deal. Hey, guys, the Wounded Blue, the WoundedBlue.org, they've got it going on, and we're going to be talking. But they still have that Guitars for Cops going on, too, at Guitars, the number four, cops.com. You guys need to check that out. We'll be talking more about that in a few. So, look, uh, moving along, let's go to our, our, our next line of topics here. We have an update story, lawofficer.com, police warn that posting videos of thieves could be a violation of their privacy. So I know you guys are, I know what you're thinking. Hey, where are we at? We're in LA, you know, we're in uh, Oakland, California, you know, definitely California or Washington, you know, state, right? You know, Seattle or somewhere. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're a little bit further North in Canada. So police in the Canadian province of Quebec, they warned, they're warning citizens now against posting surveillance footage of their packages being stolen because it could violate the private life of the alleged thieves. And, and so, yeah, watch it. It's going to start in Canada and it's going to filter down into Washington state and in the state of California. Montreal West is known for its large porches, but around the holidays, the porches were being a big target for thieves or what they call porch pirates, according to CTV News Montreal. And there's a video journalist called Olivia O'Malley reporting on this on, on you know, on a Saturday. And so Lauren Small Penafather said that it's something we deal with on a daily basis. And so that's from the Montreal West Council responsible for public safety. Goes on to say that you have people that are following the vehicles. And when they see a parcel like that being dropped off, they go, they take the parcel. If nobody comes to the door to retrieve, to retrieve it. So the New York Post reported that the province's local police force, um, they warned local citizens against sharing the footage of alleged porch thieves. They didn't want them catching them that way. You cannot post the images yourself because you have to remember, in Canada, we have your presumption of innocence, and posting that picture could be a violation of private life, according to communications officer Lieutenant Benoit Richard. And so if you get some proof that somebody might have stolen something, call the police, give that proof to the police. We'll do the investigation, bring the person to justice, file charges, People who post security footage of the packages being stolen could face potential defamation charges, according to the CTV. Wow. I can't wait to cover this. Um, uh, we'll be right back, guys. It's our first commercial break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, guys. It's time to talk about the new Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo, the country's leading uniform clothing, equipment, and gear provider. 
for law enforcement. And they have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty boots and tactical gear. And as a panelist, Captain Brett Bartlett always says, they pretty much have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo. So if you haven't checked out the new Gauls, please go to com slash Leo and check it out. And I'll tell you, the uh, the sales and specials that they have going on, even left over from the holidays, it is really impressive. They have new product lines as well. And hey, if you've got, it's not just, it's not just cops. So if you've got military, if you've got firefighters, you know, or hose dragging, you know, buddies, you know, hey, they've got stuff for everybody. So if you, if you have family, friends, or loved ones involved in the military, the law enforcement or firefighters, hook them up at goals.com slash Leo. Also, their uniform program is second to none. Uh, even my former agency has an office on the second floor lobby. So check them out, galls.com slash Leo. Uh, let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, MyMedicare.Live. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We are live still from the Boss Talk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So, yeah, and this uh, this uh, last story, uh, Canada, Randy, what are your feelings about this? I, I can't wait to get the legal opinion from uh, from Ken, too, but I know we're dealing with a different country. So, Yeah, I want to hear Ken's, Ken's opinion. In fact, let's let Ken go first. I'll, I'm going to give him more emotional as opposed to it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, just just remember, no matter, Ken, what you say, I expect this to come to come across the border and creep you know, into the United States from the north. So I expect Washington State and California to come out first with this crap. Well, I mean, legally speaking, it's well settled that anything that you voluntarily put into the public arena or public eye is not private under any circumstance whatsoever. That's just like you're driving down the street and a police officer looks at your tag, runs it through the computer. There's no right to privacy with that. You put it out there in the public domain Therefore, you you can be recorded, you can be filmed. There's no restrictions on it. In this situation, it's the most preposterous thing I think I've ever read in my life. It's just, it's so stupid, I can't even respond to it. And plus, when you put out the email the other day about the words you can't say on radio, I don't have anything else to say because it would be filled with all of those words. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know, I know when you said stupid, you, you, you kind of highlighted, you, you give the inflection of the stew. You kind of like, you know, gave an extra inflection on the stew and, and pid, you know? So thank you, Ken. Randy. I don't know how this, this Lieutenant, whatever his rank was, could actually go on air and say something as absolutely ludicrous as what he said. He is a freaking embarrassment. And the fact that, that he got approval up his chain of command to come out there and embarrass the entire police service by that ridiculous video he did is shocking to me. But also, I have I unfortunately have seen um, you know, the Canadian police act in ways that, that are really embarrassing, especially when it came down to mask mandates and that kind of insanity. So um, I mean, it seems like the 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 well. I, I don't know if you if you read any of the comments from the citizens who um, uh, up there who who commented on this, and basically they excoriated the police for doing nothing when it came down to actually enforcing the law up there. 
So it, this uh, this is, appears to be a, a way for law enforcement to um, uh, curtail the ability to show their own uh, incompetence when it comes down to dealing with crime issues. And instead of actually dealing with them, they're trying to um, admonish the public in, in, in a way that, that really reveals their unbelievable hypocrisy. Yeah, I, I suspect that's falling on deaf ears, Randy. Uh, you know, here in the States, it's really whether or not you have a reasonable expectation of privacy. And of course, you know, audio is a lot more protected here in the States than video is. So there's a lot of occasions where you can film somebody uh, video uh, without, but but not the audio component. Um, I was uh, I was telling uh, producer Jimmy here, um, you know, on break that, you know, when I used to, you know, I did organized crime, public corruption, adult entertainment in Tampa. So we used to raid uh, these lingerie shops, body scrub shop, shops, massage parlors. They were really fronts for prostitution. And I remember we had a, a city councilman um, that came out with us uh, that later became mayor of, uh, of the city of Tampa. And uh, I found out that they had surveillance video in the business, but I found out they filmed this going on. And but they had left the microphone intact. They were recording audio without our knowledge as well. And I tell you, I could have jammed them up with a third degree felony if I would have wanted to. Little things like that, you know, those are just huge no nos. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of interesting to see them doing this in 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 uh, in, in, uh, in Canada. And I tell you, I just can't I just can't wait to cover this when it comes back down across the border because I'm predicting it's going to happen, Ken. Well, I'd like to make another comment on it. You know, anytime they come out with these ridiculous statements, something like this, you got to look at what the public policy and the effects are to it. What we would what we would say in the court realm is this is going to have a chilling effect. What do I mean by that? Where does it end? Okay, you could be charged with a crime for videotaping someone stealing boxes off of your front door. Okay, I filmed a murder in progress, so I'm not going to give you the film because I'm afraid I'm going to go to jail. I mean, where does it end? I mean, come on. This is just so stupid. I've never seen anything in my life like this. <laughs> so so I, I can tell you that if this thing gets any legs, they're more stupid than I thought they were. That's all I can tell you. But th there are political implications with this. What are citizens going to do? They're just not going to call the police because they're afraid they have a videotape of it and they're going to go to jail. It's just absurd. So I don't usually see get I don't usually see Ken getting riled up this easy. So wow, I'm I'm, I'm impressed. You know. Uh, so uh, yeah, I I will definitely if when it, whenever we get more information on a story like this, I'm you're going to be my first phone call, Ken, to do the show. I can't wait to get you on for another one like this. This would be great. So. Um, so look, let's let's move on to our, our one of our next topics. Now, this one, the next couple are going to have video components. So look, I, I, as I say, look, we're going to describe in great detail what's going on. So our our radio and podcast listeners don't feel like they're missing out on anything. But if by chance you guys you know have to see the video component, the very next day we'll have this live show. But we'll embed the videos that we're talking about, put pictures of the good guys and the bad guys. It comes out at nine o'clock the following morning on our U on our um, our Rumble channel. So again, this live show is Monday through Friday during the lunch hour, twelve to one o'clock p.m. Eastern time. But Tuesday through Saturday, the very next day, 9 o'clock in the morning, rumble.com at Leo Roundtable, the same live show will appear with embedded video and pictures. Makes for a great way to watch the show. So this particular video, it, it was not on This Is Butter yet, so I had to grab it off of police activity. Uh, but it's probably going to be on This Is Butter. Um, if it's not there by now, it will be. Cops shoot knife-wielding man 
who trapped relatives inside a New Jersey condo. Uh, incredible video on this. So we're in Fort Lee, New Jersey. So on February the, the 4th of 2023, so we're talking, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, just less than a year ago, approximately 816 in the morning, Fort Lee Police Department, they respond to a 911 call from a family member uh, that's reported a 42-year-old named Mohammed Bonaire uh, inside a home. He's armed with a knife and he's acting in an aggressive manner and he's cutting his own belongings. So the family member further informed law enforcement that along with our bad guy, Four other people are inside the home. It's going to be a pucker factor here. I'm going to get into this in just one second. Commercial break. We'll be right back. All right, guys, if you're struggling with the ins and outs of warrantless searches and seizures or worried about the liability of getting it wrong, say hello to bluetogold.com. They translate search and seizure doctrines into clear, straightforward concepts that any officer can relate to. Plus, they give the training for free thanks to bluetogold.com's free weekly webinars. Now, next week, they're talking about Reasonable suspicion, deep dive. Wow. Sign up at bluethegold.com today. Join thousands of your peers in blue and step up your legal game because, frankly, you and your agency cannot afford not to. All right. So AUFIRE at AUFIRE.com. It stands for Accuracy Under Fire. And now agencies can prepare their Leos for the mental challenges associated with being wounded on duty, forcing them to adapt, problem solve, refocus, and overcome to effectively neutralize the threat. AUFIRE.com has the only option to safely prepare Leos for the instant, intense, random, and distracting demobilization of a body part associated with a debilitating wound. Go to AUFIRE.com, watch the cool videos, learn about the product, AUFIRE.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. We left off talking about a story. We've got our, our bad guy, Muhammad. They got a 911 call about him. and He's inside the home. He's armed with a knife. He's in, in, acting in an aggressive manner. He's cutting his own belongings. There's still four family members that are in the stuck in the house with him. And so the Fort Lee police officers, they speak to the relatives that are still inside the home. They ask them to isolate themselves in a room that's far away from this uh, from this you know bad guy, Muhammad. Officers enter the townhouse. So now it, we know that it's a smaller home. They attempt to speak with our bad guy from the bottom of the staircase. Now later... Relatives end up exiting the house, and with the assistance of law enforcement, all except one of the family members that lived in the home are able to leave, but we have one left. So listen to how this goes down. They don't mention in this story, by the way, but this is a naked dude, by the way. This guy is butt naked, all right? So the family informs the officers that there was still a family member on the third floor who's unable to exit. He's trapped in the home with a naked bad guy named Muhammad who's occupying the second floor. So throughout the morning, additional resources from the Fort Lee Police Department, they respond to the scene, including crisis negotiators, the emergency response team, ERT, along with the Fort Lee Fire Department. So everybody and their brother showing up for this thing. And so this is getting to be a little bit of a drawn-out process because, of course, we're dealing with a naked bad guy, Jimmy. So um, police continue attempting to negotiate 
with the naked dude as items are being thrown down the stairs in the vicinity of the officers and various items are being broken in the townhouse by our bad guy. So in an effort to get the remaining family member out of the third floor, because remember our bad guy's on the second floor, the additional officers, they uh, position themselves on a neighboring balcony that's adjacent to the balcony of the townhome. And at 1020 in the morning, the Fort Lee Fire Department and law enforcement, they use a bucket truck they're attempting to remove the remaining family member that's one floor above our bad guy from the townhome's third floor window. So while they're doing this, our bad, our naked bad guy edges the residence onto his second floor real balcony, rear balcony. So now he's out there. I mean, literally. And uh, he moves in the direction of the officers who are on the neighboring balcony. So Officer Emmanuel Espinol deploys a taser. Now, when you're dealing with a naked bad guy, producer Jimmy, you got to be very careful where your taser deployment goes, all right? I, yeah, I mean, I know Randy can tell stories about this, but I'm just, I'm taking the weight off of Randy on this one. So then we've got Detective John Gallo and Detective Stephen Dominic discharging their firearms. They hit the bad guy. So Officer Espinal then deploys his taser a second time. So our bad guy is wounded, lying on the floor of the balcony. It's a great video of this. They order him to drop the knife. He still has a knife in his possession, but he jumps to his feet. He starts moving towards them again while holding the knife. And at that point, Officer Matthew Lyle and Gabriel Vela discharge their firearms. They strike him, and then they remove two knives that are located near a bad guy. Our bad guy's pronounced dead at the scene, and one officer uh, sustained an injury to his hand. So that's the way this thing goes down. Of course, Randy coming from Las Vegas Metro, this is like nothing. This is dealing with naked bad guys is like a daily occurrence. So, but that that's what we have. That's what we're dealing with. Uh, so, Randy, we need a subject matter expert on this particular topic. Can you help us out? Yeah, well, I, I specialize in naked bad guys. <laughs> I figured, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they did everything humanly possible to bring this to a conclusion that didn't end the way it ended. They did everything humanly possible. They brought in every possible resource. They tried the 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 term de-escalation is in big quotes here. They did everything they possibly could. Sometimes you just get a guy that is just committed to committing suicide by cop. And that's exactly what happened here. And uh, and they eventually had to do what they had to do. So um, it's, it's, it's amazing. 10 years ago, this would have ended in about five minutes. It would have had the same ending, but it yeah. would have, it would have, it would, wouldn't have included all of the options that were tried here. Yeah. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. Actually, you know, yeah, it was, it was, uh, same outcome, I think, that would have happened either way, but this was a little bit more, you know, drawn out. So um, so if there's no more comments on this one, we'll jump to our next story that has a video component as well. So let's see, our next one, we've got um, at Rumble.com, our favorite law enforcement video channel called This Is Butter. Body cam video shows a uh, Waukegan police officer throwing a handcuffed suspect to the ground. Hopefully I got the name of the agency right. Officer Richard Tabas was charged last week with two counts of felony official misconduct and two counts of misdemeanor battery in connection with this incident. Wow. 
So the department releases body cam footage is showing the officer to Bish throwing down a handcuffed suspect in front of several other officers. Now, look, I, I always try to give the officer the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I used to represent officers when I was with the police union. And, and, and so they don't really provide a lot of information. And there are explanations that would justify the use of force, but they're just not giving us all the information. Of course, we've got attorney Ken Afianco on here who represents cops, you know, uh, you know, every day. He's been doing it for decades. So. Officers had arrested a suspect for domestic battery and, by, and violating an order of protection. Lake County prosecutors said the suspect had been in custody for several minutes before Officer Tabiz arrives, and he's the transport officer. So officers, they end up handing the suspect off to the transport officer, Tabiz, because the squad car was better equipped to take him to lockup to the jail. So the video shows the suspect's hands, they're handcuffed behind his back as the officer begins to walk him to his squad car from the other squad cars and where the other officers were at. So when the suspect stops walking uh, before reaching the officer's squad car, that's when Tabez, they say, throws him down to the ground, causing the suspect to fall hard on his back on a paved driveway. And, of course, when your hands are handcuffed behind your back and you land on them, it doesn't feel too good. So, look, stuff like this, it never, even if it was justified, it never looks good. So, I, 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 you know, there's no way that the video is going to look good, and I tell you, it doesn't. So the officer says, oh, you fell, dude. Why'd you fall? Uh, why'd you fall? Get up. So to best, you can hear him saying this in the video and our bad guy's groaning on the ground and the bad guy says, I'm going to sue you. There's an expletive there. And that's what he tell he's you know, saying to the officer. And then the second officer helps the bad guy get up and start walking to the squad car again. So moments later, as officers are placing the suspect in the, in the transport officer's squad car an officer can be heard saying, Hey, are you still crying? Stop crying. You stupid. And then there's another expletive. I don't justify that, but that's, that's not really an unreasonable use of force. That's just that's just a, a verbal thing the guy can be disciplined for, but whatever. So Lake County State's Attorney Eric Reinhardt said that um, as many as seven officers were on the scene at the time, and the suspect was cooperating with police. So my question is, is that was he cooperating before or after he stopped walking? Because that obviously is not cooperating. And uh, the situation was completely under control. And again, I question that because it didn't look like it was. Officer DeViz was not the arresting officer who threw the handcuffed civilian to the ground in the presence of several officers, according to the story. Besides Officer DeViz, other officers on the scene acted very professionally throughout the encounter. We still hold individuals accountable uh, for breaking the law regardless of their profession, according to the uh, state attorney, Reinhardt. And he's saying this after they charged uh, DeViz last week. So that's what we had. Uh, have. I wish we had more information. Ken Affing was probably the best guy uh, to go on this one. I know you've seen just about everything, Ken, and uh, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on this. You know, I looked at this video multiple times, and it brings me back to a case that happened several years ago, and I'm sure you remember. There was a person in the Hillsborough County Jail in a wheelchair, and he was yeah. in the booking area. And what happened is the deputy went up to, it appeared to be maybe to push his wheelchair to a different area, and then he just dumped them out of the wheelchair. And they arrested the deputy for aggravated battery or whatever it was. And I got a call on this case, and someone asked me, is there anything that would justify that in that situation? And honestly, I couldn't come up with a defense to it. And honestly, if, if in this situation, I'd have a hard time coming up with a defense. But for, as you said, were there other facts that we're unaware of? Now, if this guy spit on the deputy right before the deputy dumped him, I don't have a problem with that. However, I didn't see anything like that. And if there was no active aggressive behavior on the, on the individual in handcuffs, he dumped him down on concrete. 
which could have been even more disastrous. If this guy died, he'd be in a manslaughter charge right now. This would be an extremely difficult case to defend because words, I don't care what the guy's saying, it doesn't justify that behavior with several deputies around him and he dumps them right on the pavement. That would be a difficult case for me. Now, in all fairness, because I realize that there's people that are listening or watching the show that have not seen the video yet, the when the cop takes the bad guy down, he spins. So you can't see the cop's hands. You can't exactly see how it happened. Because I, I watched it a few times, and I tried to figure out, did the cop trip the guy? How did the guy go down? And so when the cops, when they're turned and they're not facing the camera, you cannot see what's going on between the bad guy and the cop. So, so that's why I, I feel the door personally is open because there's so much that could have happened because from the camera angle, you absolutely can't even see. You just know there's a, there's a little bit of a spin move. The bad guy goes down, and it's not even really clear what kind of hold or, or how, that, how that happened. I mean, for all I know, the cop was minimally touching the guy, you know, when, when he went down. You just can't see, you know, from the, from the, uh, from the video. Yeah, that'd so, be but, a tough one, buddy. That'd be a tough yeah. one. I mean, I looked at it a bunch of times. To me, and as you indicated, I defend these situations. It looked like the officer took his right hand up around his shoulder area, up around his neck, and spun him down to the ground. I mean, if, if your intention wasn't to throw him down on the ground and someone's falling, I mean, we've all had this situation before. You have right. someone in handcuffs that's following. We're going to try to hold them up as long as we can or at least break their fall. This guy just threw him down on the ground and let go of him. So th that to me is rather suspicious. It definitely never looks pretty when it happens on video. So, uh, well, thanks, Ken. Randy, hold that thought. Our last commercial break will be right back. All right, guys, you know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition or how much you think that you know, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, however, they've, they, you know what, they've taken – uh, the, they've taken, I guess, the only company that ever takes a step-by-step -step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a, a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and also firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all factions of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training or you can register to attend a live seminar, and you can actually get free training for yourself and the personnel of your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at GunLearn.com, especially if you haven't been there before. GunLearn.com, you'd be glad that you did. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, still live in the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So, Lieutenant Randy Sutton, I know that you wanted to interject something on the, on the last story. I know... Uh, Violent, you know, use of force never looks pretty, especially on video. But what can you tell us, Randy? Well, I, I looked at it several times, too, and I, I couldn't really tell what happened. I couldn't tell that this was um, that this was done on purpose. You know, of course, you know, Steve was, oh, why, why did you fall? But um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that there's that there was a crime here. Um, I, think, I think he's got a good chance of beating this because I. From the video that I saw, I could not say that he did this on purpose. So I'm, I'm, maybe there are other factors involved here that that you know, of course, all we to to judge to judge someone by you know three seconds of video. We've seen this take place time and time again. 
when there were mitigating circumstances that we were unaware of. So I'm I'm not going to judge this guy because I'm not quite I'm not sure that what he did that he, what he is being accused of he actually did. Yeah, I mean it's you know it makes it sometimes it's tough. You know, we look we cover the news from a law enforcement perspective, so hopefully. Um, the people on this, you know, that watch the show can appreciate it. Look, we all have law enforcement backgrounds. Ken, uh, attorney Ken Afianco, still active law enforcement. So this guy knows what he's talking about, and and it's a better show when we all don't agree. So, um, so we're everybody's admitting that we just don't simply don't have you know all the information. Uh, but it's still newsworthy, and we need to cover it because you're you know it's still out there. But remember, we talked the first topic we talked about was journalism and how it's, it's, you know, a lot of times it's slanted and stuff and they're not always given all the information. So I suspect at this point, if the officer feels that he was uh, justified in what he did, that he's already, you know, let it out, you know, why he did what he did, even though he's been criminally charged. But that information isn't coming out if, if he's done that. So um, I would love to get more information on this. Uh, but I've taken bad guys, you know, down before. If they're trying to jerk out of the, uh, you know, away from my grip when I'm walking to a car, they're going down to the ground. You know, there's there there are other plausible explain, explanations in my mind, but Ken Ken definitely has the most experience out of everybody on the show. He's got the most experience in dealing with this stuff and with defending these guys. So I, I have to take with great weight, you know, what what he says. I, it kills me saying that, Ken, but I have to I have to I have to say that. So uh, yeah, so you 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 you've got the weight the weight here on the on the topic. Um, so guys, moving along here, we've got an interesting uh, topic coming up. We've got, you know, almost seven minutes left in the show. So on this one, this stuff drives me crazy. Um, and we're going to Boston. Lawofficer.com says that we have a former Boston police commander named Beth Donovan, a female, reaches a $2.4 million settlement in a gender discrimination lawsuit. I see a lot of things that happen today, like stories like this that would not have happened at earlier stages in my career. I don't know if the guys on the show will are going to agree with me or not, but listen to this. City of Boston reached, this is almost $2.5 million, guys. It's a settlement in a lawsuit with a police commander who accused the Department of Gender Discrimination. Beth Donovan was the first woman to, to reach the rank of Deputy Superintendent at the Boston Police Department's Bureau of Field Services. Now, she was demoted from the high-ranking position to sergeant in September of 2018, according to the Herald Palladium. So Donovan's attorney, his name is Nick Carter, said that her trouble started uh, when a demotion followed her um, I, after she lodged a complaint that initiated an IA, Internal Affairs Investigation. So in June of 2017, she called 911 when a high school graduation party was held at a home of her neighbor and a fellow officer who's a lieutenant, Richard uh, Driscoll, according to the Daily Mail. According to the court filings, Donovan, so our female that got demoted, complained to the lieutenant about his wife, or she complained to him and his wife, I'm sorry, about the noise level, as well as people urinating on her lawn. The lieutenant reportedly tossed a beer can at her, replied with profanities uh, when she asked the couple to get the party and their guests under control. So while alleging that Lieutenant Driscoll was highly intoxicated during the encounter, Donovan also said that he followed her home, pushed her against her front door. Now, she initiated an IA investigation against the lieutenant. I'll tell you that I immediately start thinking about at the end of my career, the number of cops complaining, other cops in internal affairs that never have. We usually took care of our problems on our own and, uh, and, and we're pretty effective at doing that. But I, that's where I start thinking about. She goes to A on this. She alleges acts of retaliation according to the talk, uh, court documents. The retaliation included circulated rumors that she had a drinking problem as well as, as, well as losses of her uh, deputy superintendent responsibilities. 
Driscoll's wife, so the lieutenant's wife, also accused the female, Donovan, of using racial slurs in reference to the African-American police chief. Um, I'm assuming this happened after she filed the IA complaint. Donovan was placed on paid administrative leave on May of 2018 due to the allegations. She was subsequently demoted to sergeant, returned to work four months later. She filed a lawsuit in federal court in 2020, was placed on paid medical leave. Now, think about that for a second. She's placed on paid medical leave. So Donovan has kept, been kept on administrative leave and medical leave due to injuries. Here's where this is a tall tale flag. Due to injuries sustained as a result of discriminatory and, and retaliatory treatment. So she's saying that she's got medical issues because of what they're putting her through, and that's just a crock. Um, Beth Donovan uh, took on the Boston Police Department simply to demand fair treatment as a woman leader there. She's pleased with the result and hopes that this helps women who remain at the Boston Police Department and those who come afterwards, according to Attorney Carr. He said this in a statement, hopefully with Donovan's case and some of the other women who have recently been um, successful in suing for discrimination, the Boston PD will start to change and women won't be punished for demanding fair and equal treatment. And as part of the settlement, Donovan's required to retire from the department. Thank God. They're probably all jumping up and down, singing praises. I'm sorry. I usually wait for you guys to weigh in before I say stuff. I couldn't stand it. Um, whoever wants to take this first, I don't I don't see it. I, I suspect Randy's going to jump in here first, but Randy Sutton. I read this and I was, it drove me crazy. It drove me crazy. The, you, you can, you can just see between the lines of all of this. Thank about, you. Randy. Thank you. About, yeah. about what, what type of leadership must've been employed uh, during this entire debacle, starting with her. Um, uh, if you can't even, if you can't even control um, a, a loud party, and 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 you you get involved in 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 something that that gets so blown out of proportion that you got to go to internal affairs on your own people. Um, I, I got to tell you, I I, did, I I I would love to speak to some Boston cops about that leadership that that, that uh, uh, she must have displayed here. So and then and then she goes on medical leave and so she's been not working for all these years. Oh yeah, getting paid and now she has two and a half million dollars. It's it it just kind of makes me sick. That what a payout and it only encourages that type of act you know that type of activity you know for more people getting it just it drives me crazy. But hey, you know every time we have a story and Boston PD is in our lineup a lot, that kind of explains why. So, um. We've got uh, less than two minutes left, guys. So, um, Ken, did you have anything you wanted to add add on that, or or did you not want to touch that with a ten foot pole? I don't know. Go ahead. I, I don't really want to go into details about it, but what what I found interesting was Boston PD denied any and all liability and denied any and all allegations, but yet they paid two point four million. That's what wow. I found very comical. Yeah, I know, Randy. I. I, I tell you, so many flags in the story, and and we have all worked with people like this or that the capability. It just, it just, it just drives me insane. Um, we've got a, we got, a, I feel we got a minute, and uh, you. Yeah, so Randy, I think it's a perfect opportunity to uh, to talk about the wounded blue at the woundedblue.org. So kind of give us an update. We roughly have, um, you have about a, a minute and and thirty seconds, you know. So um, so go ahead and, and give give us an update on the wounded blue, and also guitars for cops. And, and how well that thing's going for you guys. Yeah, so the, the Wounded Blue is the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Police Officers. And we've helped the thousands of cops over the years 
whether those injuries are physical or emotional and psychological. And, uh, you know, it's a charity. And so raising money is very, very difficult, especially for a law enforcement charity. But we recently had a very successful campaign, guitars, the number four cops.com. We had so many amazing country artists like Reba McIntyre and George Strait and Toby Keith and, and Kid Rock, who all, more than 20 uh, major country artists, have signed guitars to help us raise money for the Wounded Blue. So you can get your, your, your favorite country artist a signed guitar for $1,000 by going to guitars, the number four cops.com. And I mean, and more and more are coming on every day because they have seen the success. And we're also uh, in the planning stages for a, a country concert in Connecticut the day after Police Week by the musical uh, country band Ricochet. We've got another one coming up. We're in the planning stages of some major country stars doing a concert for us in Nashville. And so country music, to me, they're showing their, their patriotism. They're showing their love for the law enforcement by supporting the Wounded Blue. So anybody that's listening to this, please go to thewoundedblue.org and help. Go to Guitars for Cops and get Thanks, yourself Randy. a guitar. Kenny Apiangos on LinkedIn if anybody wants to look him up. Also, shout out to Gauls, AUFire.com, Gunler.com, BlueTheGold.com, on Medicare.live, uh, the free press, TampaFP.com, RedVoiceMedia.com. See you guys tomorrow.